so to be a minister, I know you guys are wondering, how can I be a minister? <laughs> but to be a minister in the Disciples of Christ denomination, it doesn't just happen. What ha- what, the way that it kind of works is once you feel the call to ministry, you respond in a couple of different ways. First off, they encourage you to go off to seminary, to go and get a, an upper degree And so I went to Lexington Theological Seminary after completing my undergraduate at Purdue, and I spent four years in a Master's of Divinity program. That is a 90-hour Master's program. Most people get through with it in three years. I loved it so much I did it in four. You also, while you're there taking classes on how to understand the Bible, how to do preaching, how to teach how to do all of these things. You also spend time in reflection working with a church. So I've served a church in Shelbyville, Kentucky as their minister for children and youth. And so I would then go back and spend time with professors and different mentors going over what it was that I was doing. And I spent time learning from my time there. But I also know that within the disciples, we don't just look at the seminary, the schooling that you need. You don't just come out and immediately become a minister because you went to school. They also work with the local churches. So I had churches that would keep an eye on me, that would kind of check in and make sure that I was doing all right. And then also the regional and general church would invite, invited me to come to sit with what's called the Commission on Ministry. And so I've heard that sometimes people with, here in Pond have sat on the Commission on Ministry at one point or another. This is where lay people and ministers from around the region sit with prospective ministers and they just chat with them about what's going on in their experience of ministry, why they want to be a minister, and kind of vet them, for lack of a better term. Well, I would have to go every few months and sit at the regional office in this group with these people around the big table, and they would ask me questions about what was going on in my life, how my ministry was going, how classes were going, and they would ask me questions about what I thought and what I believed. And one day, we were chatting about some different stuff, and they said, well, how is it that you make decisions in your life? And I said, I thought for a second, and I thought, good answer here. Well, what I try and do is I sit down and I think about the issue and I pray about it. I thought, that's a good B plus, A minus answer right there. I mean, come on. If you went up to another person like, I pray about these things. Well, the commission did exactly what it was supposed to do. Well, how do you pray about it? They kind of push a little harder. Well, you know, I, I, I think about what it is and I, and I speak to God and I... And I I close my eyes and pray. I sometimes go to a quiet place and I I pray about these things. And I listen for God's voice. I thought another very good churchy answer, listening for God's voice. I remember where that member sat, right over there at about 2 o'clock to where I was sitting. And that person said, so you listen for God's voice. So God speaks to you. And I said, well, yes. Does God speak to you through a voice? Do you hear voices? Do the walls speak to you? Should we be concerned that you're hearing voices? All of a sudden, I started backpedaling. Well, I don't know if I hear voices. I don't know if I... I, I, I. That sticks to me this day. If it does... I mean, listen, that was just a few years ago, back in the 90s. 
Do you remember the 90s, anybody out there? So, uh, but that was a, there was just a little ways back there that I remember this to this day. How do you hear God? Today our scripture comes a little bit more from this final conversation that Jesus has with his disciples in the Gospel of John. Remember, it's a couple different chapters in which um, Jesus has a chance to talk with his disciples before he finishes his ministry with them. And he shares with them a meal, and it's here that he begins to lay out this fact that he's going to have to leave, but that they won't be by themselves. What comes right before this, and remember, I've always said, don't just read the scripture that I've given you, but read a little bit before that. It's all filled with questions. All the different um, disciples have questions for Jesus. Where are you going? Why can't we go? Can I go too? Where, what is it that you're exactly going to do? And why is it that it has to be done in this way? It's like talking to a toddler. Why? 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 And finally, Jesus responds in this way. Peace. And he shares with them something. He shares with them that Jesus, that God will send the advocate, the spirit of God, to be with us when Jesus leaves. That no matter what happens, we will not be alone. We've been thinking about this last time and right after Easter about spiritual gifts, about who we've been created to be in God's image, how we share who that is and what our spiritual gifts are inside of us. Sometimes we think that those seem to be easy, like maybe being able to play an instrument or maybe it's a spiritual gift of being able to stand up and read scripture or to speak in church. And we say, well, those are spiritual gifts. But as we've been invited to do from the very beginning, spiritual gifts are something that reside deep inside of us and are as personal to each of us as we are different here in this place. If you remember, Bill um, Bingham invited us at the very beginning to understand that we grow through discovering the gifts that are inside us and that those gifts should flow from God and through us. We also began to think about starting in a very beginning place, trying to understand who it is that we are at the very beginning. We started with kind of those personality type indicators, the Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, that kind of thing that helps us to direct ourselves and to think about those things, about starting a journal, writing down the things that we go through each and every day, how we respond to them and what we think. And then last week, we explored the idea about trying to name our priorities out of that. Understanding who we've been created to be, what it is that's important to us, and saying, this is what drives us, these very essences of who we are. Jesus shares with his disciples, the important things to me are this, servanthood, serving others, being there for others, and secondly, loving your neighbor as yourself, as I do. Love each other. Today, our story continues with this, but reminds us that we do not do this searching, do not do this discovering alone. But the question is, how do we listen to the Spirit? 
How do we connect with that peace that is coming alongside us, that walks with us in all the things that we do? That presence, that spirit of God, the advocate that is there to help us. A lot of times I find music helps. So cool to have you guys here with us. Didn't know if in your studies you've discovered, have you heard of John Cage's Symphony 433? Have you heard about this? Revolutionary piece of music that gets at the heart of how we connect. This piece of music is so controversial that the first time it was played, some people in the audience got up and walked out. When John Cage first put it on, they introduced the piece of music. He walked out to the piano, sat down, opened up the music, prepared himself, closed the top of the piano and sat there. For four minutes and 33 seconds, John Cage played a rest. He didn't just sit there, he actively rested, actively played silence. Four minutes and 33 seconds. Some people couldn't handle it. There were coughs that were happening in the audience. There were, you know, that, that everything you could hear for four minutes and 33 seconds. I don't know if you guys remember this. So a couple times at, here at Pond, I've invited us to just be quiet and sit in silence. And we get to about 45 seconds, and my monkey brain starts going. I mean, it's just all over the place. I can't even sit still for 45 seconds, let alone for four minutes and 33 seconds seconds. This has been played by large symphonies as well as by small ensembles as well as by piano players. Every time, violins sitting there ready to play, playing a rest. Trumpeters, same thing. What happens in that silence? Some people have postulated that the reason that John Cage did this is so that we would hear the symphony that is around us. So that if some ways I stopped speaking right now and we listened and had total silence, what would we hear? Air conditioner? Clearing of the throats. Laughter. Cell phones. <laughs> A car driving by. So some people say, well, that's what John Cage is trying to do, is he was trying to get us to understand the symphony of life that happens around us. And others are like, no. No, this is a chance for us to exist in silence. And that's the question. Have you, have you ever really experienced silence? The closest thing I've ever come to was when I was back in, um, in college at Purdue University. I took a sound engineering course, and so I spent some time in the um, audiology lab down in the basement of the school and the theater department. 
And what we had is we had a large room in which we had our soundboard out there and we would mix different things, whether it be music or commercials or speaking or whatever it might be. So this, you would walk in the room and you would close the door and the whole room, even the door, was lined in foam. It was the closest thing I've ever come to absolute kind of quiet. The problem is, is that this place is that every now and then you'd be running a take and you could hear somebody walking above you because you, even though we had sound and everything, it was an older building. We also had steam heat, ding, 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 you know, in the, in the winters when, the, when the, the steam used to go through the pipes. Or you'd hear somebody talking really, really loudly going down the hallway there at the university. But it was the closest thing I ever came to silence. Have you ever experienced absolute quiet? Some people say that, that when that happens, that there, it can be disorienting. Because you don't have those clues that are around you that place you in a space. They say that it can be disoriented because that is something that gives us this idea that there is a presence of other things with us. That when you take away all sound, when you take away all of that, that you can lose that perspective of where you are. So if we always have stuff around us, if we find ourselves in need of that noise or even just something out there, how do we really listen for God? What's interesting about that is that um, I went back to the very principles of what it means to be an active listener. You all know these things? Active listening? First off, physical attention. I'm talking to you. I'm listening. Yep, I'm listening. Yeah, go ahead. What do you want to say? Active listening is actually picking up your head and looking at the other person. It means giving attention to someone else. It means if we're at a coffee shop and we're sitting across the table and you're sharing a story that I'm giving you the eye contact that you need and deserve. It's a way of communicating to you that I'm listening. How is it that we give physical attention to God? How is it that we pause for a minute? A lot of people say, well, whenever I pray, I, I bow my head and I close my hands and this is the way we pray. That could be the way that you give physical attention to God. Maybe it's a labyrinth. Have you ever prayed a labyrinth? When you pray a labyrinth, you focus your attention on the steps that you're making. And all you do is focus on one step ahead. But you give that physical attention to the labyrinth that you are walking one foot in front of the other. Physical attention to God. 
Or maybe it's sitting at a table and maybe you light a candle whenever you pause for a minute and try and find a little bit of quiet and you just stare at that candle and that is the physical attention that you get. Or maybe it's going out into the, into the night sky and laying on your back on a clear evening and looking up into the stars and into the space and just allowing that to be the physical attention that you get. But how do we give physical attention to communicating with God? The next is paraphrasing. And most people would say, well, you know, I, you can't do that with God. Because remember, walls don't talk to us. That gets you in trouble with your commission on the ministry if walls are talking to you. But how do we paraphrase? Well, what that does is it names something that's happening. It means it's an active conversation. We're not just talking to God. Because here's the thing. If I'm really brutally honest with you, most of my prayers exist and come out in this way. Dear God, it's so good to be with you today. I have a few things I need to talk to you about. One, I need you to fix this. I'm dealing with this, God, and if you would just do this, it would take care of a lot of things for me. Oh, and God, I need you to do this, and I need you to bring this, and I need you to do this, and I need you to do this. Oh, yeah, and one last thing. Make sure you pick up milk on your way home tonight because we're out. It's like a physical to-do list that I have for God. And as long as God does those things for me, we're all good. <laughs> That's not a conversation. That's not paraphrasing. How do I find ways to slow it down? How do I find ways to hear what it is that God is saying to me? How is it that I can share what's on my heart and rather trying to get God just to fix it? Because God pr pr promised just to be there. Finding ways of, of listening and, and speaking and paraphrasing, God, this is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm seeing in life. This is what I'm going through right now. It leads to reflecting, which is that next part. Giving it back. We're hearing, we're taking it, and we're reflecting it back. Just in a conversation. This is what I hear you telling me that you're going through. I can't believe that. That seems so hard. Just being present and reflecting back. And then clarifying. Asking God again. God, this is what I have. I got something on my heart and I'm feeling torn. I feel like that you're calling me to do this. I feel like that I'm being pushed in this way. I feel like that life is uncomfortable. I feel trapped. I feel this. I feel that. God, where are you in the midst of all of this? And here's the thing. When we're clarifying, when we're reflecting, when we're paraphrasing, that means that we need to listen with all of our different senses. And sometimes that happens in, within a community. Because if we believe that God resides in each and every person, if we believe that, God, that each of us reflect the divinity and the beauty and the divine nature of who God is, if each of us is created in God's image, that together we can reflect back and spend time understanding God in a better way. And finally, we've been doing that by encouraging. Encouraging each other, encouraging God and allowing God to encourage us. I know who you are. I have created you in my image and you are my Beloved, 
I can't tell you that I've had this all figured out. That would be, that would imply that I in some ways have figured out what all this life is about. And I haven't. There are days that I can't seem to continue to find just the right magic words to say to God, to have God fix whatever it is that I want God to fix. But there's one thing that I continue to be to discover each and every day. That sometimes the most powerful, powerful moments in my life have happened in silence with someone just sitting with me with whatever that is. And that, that is what Jesus was trying to say to the disciples. You are not always going to understand everything. Just remember that you're not alone. That you may not be able to go with me where I need to go right now, but I'm going to come to you. And then when it is time for you to come, we'll be there too. And a place has been prepared for you. And that through it all, there is an advocate, someone that is cheering you on, someone that is there to talk with you, to be a part of your life in all the things that you do when you can't sense that physical presence, when the silence is deafening, you are not alone. It's in that place. It's in that place that we can hear God. May you find some of that quiet this week. And may you know God's presence. That spirit that is with you in all places and all times and through all things. Wherever you go and however However, you change this world. Peace. Peace. Shalom. Thank you for listening to the White Oak Pond Christian Church Podcast. We hope that it's been a blessing to you this day. White Oak Pond seeks to be a place where we accept one person at a time to Christ's never-ending and forgiving love. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive sermons each and every week. And also rate us. It really helps. Thank you again, and may you know joy in powerful ways this week.